Hi guys, welcome back to Unfiltered with me, Lindsay Hughes. Today's episode is going to be by far the most important episode I will ever record on my show, and it did absolutely not seem right to not make an episode about Black Lives Matter, also acknowledging and taking accountability for my own white privilege and myself being a part of the problem. I just hope that this episode, you guys really will, you know, take it and and just listen to the voices that I will be sharing. As someone with a platform, you know, this platform being one of them, but I have multiple, you know, public platforms. It just, there's no way that I cannot share this and not use my platform and my voice to amplify these voices and to share with my audience, you know, the things that I've done wrong and taking accountability for that. And hopefully that could inspire some of you guys to look at yourselves and maybe do the same. Um, and then also, and then also the second part of this episode or the main focus of this episode is just going to be to listen. So for this episode, I was thinking about how I could make it the most effective for the audience that I have, because I do believe that that is the most important thing that I could do when talking about something so important. And so what made sense to me, and I thought about it for a while, I've been thinking about this episode all week. What made the most sense to me was to ask if any of my black followers who felt inclined, um, if they wanted to, would share their experiences and thoughts with us for this episode. So I wanted to begin this episode by taking personal accountability for things that I have not done the best at and um, acknowledging that and truly, truly getting, you know, a little bit uncomfortable with myself. And I challenge you guys to listen to this and maybe to have a conversation like this with yourself. So with that being said, I'm going to read you guys something that I have written to start off this episode. I admit that I have been a part of the problem. I admit that I should have and could have been talking about these issues louder years ago. I admit that I have extreme privilege as a white woman that I would absolutely not have if I was black. I admit that I have not in the past corrected my grandma when she says this black gentleman instead of this gentleman when telling me a story. I promise I will correct her from now on. I promise I will call out others even and especially when it is uncomfortable. The truth is that no struggle I have faced in my life and likely ever will face can compare to the struggle of the experience of being black in America. I have known that, but it's time to admit it out loud. This is not the time for ego. This is not the time for doing the bare minimum so your friends don't think you're racist. This is the time to be actively and vocally anti-racist. Actually, the time has been forever. Before now, now, and most importantly, tomorrow and for the future. Not just this week. I can admit that I have not used my voice and platform as loudly and as importantly as I could and should have. I promise that I will not stop speaking up after this week ends. I promise that I will continue calling myself out and admitting when I have not done enough. I promise I will not be silent. This is not the difference between one side and the other. This is the difference between right and wrong. If you can't see the problem, I believe that you are the problem. Ask yourself if you have not gotten angry, why you aren't angry. 
Is it because you will never be affected by racist acts because you are white? If you have not acted in some way in the last week or so, vocalized your anger to friends or family, posted on social media in support of Black Lives Matter, donated to any organizations, or even simply questioned your privilege, ask yourself why and just sit with that. How can you improve and become a better human being? Do you believe in equality for all races, genders, and sexual orientations? If not, why? Ask yourself these questions and reflect on your answers. Okay, so that is what I wrote, and um, it's just something that I felt like I really wanted to share. It came from my heart. Um, A lot of thought went into that, and that is just personally what I wanted to open up this episode with. And now I wanted to let you guys know that 100% of this episode's ad revenue is going to go to the Anti-Police Terror Project. And this is an organization that I've researched and I really believe in, not only at this time, but I had never heard of them before and I'm so glad to have found out about them. So this comes from their About section on their website because I feel like they do a much better job of explaining what they do than I could kind of do in my own words. So the Anti-Police Terror Project is a Black-led, multiracial coalition that seeks to build a replicable and sustainable model to eradicate police terror in communities of color. They support families surviving police terror in their fight for justice, document police abuses, and connect impacted families and community members with resources, legal referrals, and opportunities for healing. And that is the only reason there will be ads on this episode. You know, otherwise there wouldn't be, but I do want to use this platform to raise some money for them. And also whenever my next YouTube video is posted, I have no idea when that will be. It is absolutely not an appropriate time for posting vlogs on YouTube. In my personal opinion, um, I do not have any idea when I will post my next YouTube video, but whenever I do the ad revenue from that video as well is also going to be going to my donation to the anti-police terror project. So a combination of the ad revenue from that video, as well as from this podcast episode. And you guys have my 100% word on that. I will happily share publicly when I am making that donation on our part. Um, It is not only, you know, something on my part, I have personally already donated to several different organizations, but this is something that I figured we could all do together um, as you guys will already probably be listening and watching and we can make a positive impact in some small way in that form. Very quickly, I want to say a couple of kind of housekeeping things before we get into the episode. And that is, first of all, there will be no bops and flops segment this week, as well as no reviewer of the week shouted out this episode. Uh, It just, like I said, it does not seem important or necessary, and I would like to uh, just focus on what is important in this episode. Last thing I want to say is that there was no episode posted on Monday of this week, which you may or may not have noticed, but I mean, obviously as a listener of this podcast, you, you deserve an explanation for that. So what I recorded last week, I recorded over a week ago, you know, early last week in preparation for Monday's episode. And it honestly was silly, unimportant. It was just kind of a very lighthearted Q and a type episode. And there was absolutely no reason for me to post that on Monday or this week. And I do not know if that episode will be posted. It might be saved for a later date. 
But I'm going to post this episode that you guys are hearing as soon as I can. And it honestly might be before before Monday. So just know that, you know, typically our episodes, yes, are posted every Monday. But right now, I really just wanted to get this out to you guys. And I also wanted to say I'm not exactly sure when the podcast will resume with dating and relationship type episodes. Um, it may take a few more weeks off to allow for the sharing of much more important content at this time related to Black Lives Matter. Um, So thank you for your patience and understanding and feel free to listen to any of my past episodes if you are looking for something more lighthearted. There are several, you know, 16 or so episodes if you've missed any of them that you could listen to if you are looking for something more lighthearted from me at this time. All right, with that being said, that is enough talking about me. Seriously, this episode is not about me at all. So let's go ahead and get into the bulk of this episode. So like I said at the beginning, I asked myself, how can I best use this platform and make this episode the most impactful for those who are listening, who I do believe is predominantly white women that are around my same age. So of course I thought about my audience and hopefully what would best impact you guys hearing in this episode. So what I decided to do was I asked if any of my black followers who felt inclined, there was absolutely no pressure to submit anything, but if any of them felt inclined, I welcomed them to share their experience and thoughts with us for this episode. And I asked them if they would answer the following questions, which I came up with and I thought would hopefully be effective for those of you listening, as well as myself to hear their answers. The first question is, how would you describe the experience of being black in America present day to someone who does not understand that experience? Because as a white person myself, I know, and I've seen this quote a lot lately, and it is, I understand that I cannot understand. So accepting that you can't understand the black experience, I think is a huge, huge thing that we hopefully can all do. Um, and acknowledge that. So that is why I wanted to ask that question to open it up with. The next question is about taking action. And that question is, what is the most important thing non-Black people who are allies can do to stand with you and create lasting change? So I wanted to ask that question to say, hey, you know what? We see what's happening now. We see how many people are posting right now, but how can we create lasting change and how can we stand with you from your perspective. So I have taken voice messages from you guys as well as DMs for those who did not want to send in a voice message. So I am really, really honored and um, so thankful for anybody that submitted to me. Seriously, thank you guys so much for your participation. And to all of those of you who are listening, I hope that you will really take these words, take these messages and just listen. That is exactly what I'm going to be doing. And, uh, you know, that's the point of a podcast is just to listen and take it in. So with that being said, let's start it off with a voice message from Ashley. Hi, Lindsay. I just want to start off by saying thank you for doing this. And I think it's a wonderful idea to support and uplift Black voices, especially in a time right now where it's more necessary than ever. Um, But to answer your question on what it's like being Black right now in America, it is a really strange and almost ominous feeling in the air. And I don't want to sound dramatic, but it's kind of like you want to question 
you know, your friends, your coworkers, your acquaintances, the people around you, you know, whether or not do you think my life matters? And it really comes down to that. And do you think that, you know, what is going on in America is okay? And have you thought that this was okay for however many years? And what you can do right now is definitely protest, sign petitions, educate yourself, vote, research, and, you know, believe your black friends, believe your black coworkers, and support them. In the- okay, so that did get cut off at the end um, because, unfortunately, when you send in a voice message, it only allows up to one minute and then you have to start a new one. So I did say that you guys could feel free to send in as many of you wanted as multiple, but Ashley, thank you so much for speaking up and letting us know what you think is the best thing right now. And I thought it was really interesting how you said, you know, being black, how does it feel right now that you are kind of questioning people and being like, are you okay with this? Have you been okay with this? Questioning people in your life. And I do think that's a really important thing that we can all do right now. Um, Questioning people, calling people out in real life. And I'm sorry that at the end you got cut off, but um, I absolutely think what you shared was so relevant, so important. And thank you so much for sharing what you think is best that allies can do at this time. All right, now let's read a message that was sent to me from Olivia. I haven't experienced much overt racism, but I often leave a situation where someone was a bit rude to me or where something off-putting happened and I wonder if my race played a role. I had a hard time making friends in college because I felt like the girls I was trying to be friends with wanted friends who looked like them and I didn't really feel like I was given a chance because they automatically assumed we couldn't get along because I looked too different from them. It stinks to be discriminated against before you even have a chance to speak a word. It's a horrible feeling, and I would encourage everyone to really try and erase whatever preconceived notions you may have about a person due to their skin color and try to get to know them as you would anyone else. Well, Olivia, yeah, I think this is kind of where it all comes back to and stems back to is like, we are all human beings. You don't choose the color of your skin. You don't choose where you're born. You don't choose what you look like, who your family is. You don't choose any of these things. And it just is so sad to think that some people really do have the mindset of of actually seeing somebody differently because of the color of their skin and not being able to access that empathy of we are all human beings, we are all one, we are all connected, and I really like how you put it. So thank you so much for sharing. Now let's hear another voice message, and this one is from Asia. Hi, Lindsay. Um, I've been Black for 20 years now. Um, Being Black in America is growing up and constantly hearing micro-racist comments. Um, I have been told that white people are only friends with me because the bottom of my feet and my hands are white. I'm constantly being asked, are you really black when I clearly am? All because I don't fit with their stereotype. I don't fit the stereotype that black people are angry, loud, and thugs. Um, I think the most important thing that non-black allies can do goes beyond being an ally in this lifetime. You have to teach your children anti-racism, emphasis on anti. 
the next generation needs to grow up and be equal. And if they aren't equal, they have to want to fight for equality. Okay, Asia, so I love how you said it goes, what people can do, what allies can do. It goes beyond this lifetime, and it is actually creating change in the way that our our generation, of course, but especially our, you know, our children's generation. It's so true, because you are raised to think a certain way, um, and you are raised, you know, in a certain area of the world or area of the country, and your early childhood that all stays with you and impacts your entire life. So I like what you said about we need to raise our children, all of us, all of us, black or white or any color that we are, any race, we need to raise our children to be anti-racist. And that's something that I've heard a lot recently that is so, so impactful. It's not just about being, oh, I'm not a racist because, you know, I have a black friend. I'm not racist because I consume black art and, oh, I listen to Kanye West and Kendrick Lamar. Those are my favorite artists. So there's no way I'm racist. Just like these are examples of things that I haven't really heard anyone say, but you know what I mean? Like just kind of like telling yourself, oh, I couldn't be racist because of this thing that I, that I do that supports black people. Um, and so, yeah, being anti-racist goes a lot far beyond being just, oh, well, I'm not a racist because dot, dot, dot. So I think that's extremely relevant and important that you brought that up. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much to our longtime sponsor on this podcast of Anchor. So Anchor is actually how I make this podcast. I wouldn't even have this podcast if it wasn't for the free tool that is the platform Anchor. So as I said, it is completely free. Anybody can make a podcast from your house, from your phone, from your computer, Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's basically everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it actually is, you guys, I stan Anchor so hard. You can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started with recording your own podcast. Now let's hear a written message from Rose. Whenever I'm in public and I do something, there's always a thought that I'm going to get called out on my race. For example, if I accidentally bump into someone at the grocery store, is that person going to think, ugh, another black person not watching where she's going? Or are they going to call out, watch where you're going, N-word? If you accidentally bump into someone, they just think, Oh, a woman just bumped into me. But for me, it's, oh, a black woman bumped into me. If my family is loud at a restaurant, is the table next over going to judge us first for being black, then second for being loud? Am I perpetuating a stereotype? Last year, I was on an extended family vacation, 10 of us, in a predominantly white area, and I kept thinking, am I doing everything right? Am I saying thank you and smiling enough to the service workers? Obviously, we should be doing that at all times. Once we leave this hotel slash tourist spot, are they going to be gossiping about that black family that just came in? I always have in the back of my mind that anything I do, good or bad, I'll be judged on my race first. 
than my action. I like that you broke down a real life experience or multiple real life experiences that you have actually had and how it feels in those moments, the thoughts going through your head if you are in the grocery store and you bump into someone or the thoughts going through your head if you and your friends or family are at a restaurant, a big group of people. I mean, it's just these things that as a white person, you you don't really have to think about those things and you telling me your experience and sharing with us your experience and what those thoughts actually feel like and look like as they're happening. I do think that that is so impactful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us and really breaking it down into an example of a real life moment that happens all the time. Okay, let's hear from Morgan next. At the age of four or five, my dad was pulled over at night with me and my mom and my brother in the car, taking my mom to work. We were in the neighborhood next to ours, which is mostly white. The cops pulled my dad over for being black, not for doing anything wrong. Later, it was found that he had an unpaid ticket from over a decade ago, but that's not why he was pulled over. I learned at a young age to fear the police and still get scared driving in that area nearly 15 years later. I think the most important thing to know is that this is a constant battle. There will never be a 100% with people. There will always be racist, and with that, we will always need to stick up for ourselves and need allies who will help us in that. Making sure to raise the next generation to understand racism. Teaching their kids to be good to people. And also that every voice is important. If you think your following is too small or you fear judgment of others, you have a voice and you need to use it. Morgan, I think that is such a great point that you kind of ended it with is, you know, we are seeing silence from a lot of people at this time, maybe because, oh, I don't use my social media in that way. I don't get political, even though in my opinion, this is not a political issue at all. It's right versus wrong. Um, And I think, honestly, that silence shows a lot. I do also believe that you can support and show solidarity in ways other than posting on social media. Of course, it is not only about posting to your Instagram story, posting the black square for Blackout Tuesday last week, as most people did. Um, It's not only about doing that, doing the bare minimum, and then following it up with nothing. It's about action. It's about, are you protesting? Have you donated to any causes? Have you began to question things? Have you had uncomfortable thoughts and conversations with yourself? So I do believe, yes, it is not only about posting on our social media. I personally can think of a few people in my life that I'm thinking of that have not posted anything, have not acknowledged anything going on, and I would like to have a conversation with them about it, and it will be uncomfortable, and I will have a conversation, and I will get an answer. But like you said, every voice is important. If you think your following is too small or you fear judgment of others, 
you do have a voice, you need to use it. And I believe that so much, even if it's not using it on social media, um, if genuinely, if you know, you really don't post ever on social media, whatever it is, whatever you're going to tell yourself, Oh, I, this is why I'm not going to post about this. I don't know. I don't personally really agree with that. But, um, if you are going to, you know, not post, then I would say, well, ask yourself, well, what am I doing and why am I, um, uncomfortable with posting? Um, I'll read you guys something really quick that I posted on my Instagram story last night. So this is from Tabitha Brown and she posted, um, an Instagram post and I thought this was really impactful. Um, and I reposted to my story last night and it says, if you haven't spoken at all during this last week, ask yourself why, if you feel uncomfortable using your platform to stand up for justice, ask yourself why. If you feel comfortable posting about the Women's March, the Climate March, but not about justice for Black lives, ask yourself why. So I think that that is something that is, it's not even really calling people out. It's more of just sit with yourself and ask yourself why. And you can have your answers. Um, and there's, of course, other things you can do other than posting. And what am I doing instead of posting on social media to show support, to show solidarity, what am I doing? Am I doing anything or am I just convincing myself that I'm not racist? So I think, you know, it's uncomfortable starting off this podcast with what I read to you guys. Uh, that was uncomfortable, but you know what? It's all my truth and it is okay to get uncomfortable with yourself. It's okay to get uncomfortable having these conversations with friends and family and people that you care about. That is the only way forward. That is the only way to create actual change is to get uncomfortable. Okay, I've been going off on kind of like a rant of this um, for a while, this thought. So let's play another voice message. This one is from Olivia. Hi, Lindsay. My name is Olivia, and I'm a 24-year-old biracial woman living in California. My mom is black, and my dad is white. And I wanted to answer your question on Instagram about how you would describe being black in America to someone who doesn't face discrimination based on the color of their skin. And I just want to say, for me, it shows up when I'm dating and afraid to date you know, primarily white men who I'm afraid could be racist. It shows up when I'm afraid to wear my hair natural and curly to work for fear of not being seen as professional. And it shows up when I'm afraid for my family members who are out living their lives as black Americans, knowing that they could be subject to police violence and other acts of hate and racism. Um, I think the most important thing that allies can do to help is that they can have these conversations. I know how hard it is to call out your racist family and your racist coworkers, but it has to be done. So thank you for using your platform to talk about this. To go back to her thought of being worried about dating someone white. Um, yeah, I mean, that is something that I have the privilege. I don't really have to think about that. I don't have to worry about someone that I'm dating, assuming things about me based off of my race. It is really also interesting to hear from those of you guys who are biracial, who may have a white parent and a black parent, like you said, Olivia, and it's really interesting to hear your voices and your experiences as well being biracial um, and the stereotypes that actually go along with that as well. So thank you so much for sharing, Olivia. Okay, this next message is from Kendra. Being black in America is being stereotyped by your peers at five. 
Being black in America is being seen as angry or unapproachable if you don't have a huge smile on your face all the time. Being black in America is constantly being told you're undesirable for your skin color or being told you're pretty for a black girl. Being black in America is having to put up with harmless, racist jokes, and if you call people out on them, then you're too serious and too sensitive. In my own personal case, it's being manhandled by the cops when you're only 16 at 2 a.m. in the street after being thrown out of your abusive home and being told you're a thug. Being black in America is having a coach tell you and all your black friends that you're not allowed to laugh before games because it's loud and obnoxious. Being black in America is having white people that you may or may not know feel entitled to touch your hair anytime they want to and ask if it's real. Being black in America is being oppressed in every way possible and having white people tell you that you're not and in the odd case that you are, it's your fault. I think more than anything I really want is for allies to listen. I've been extremely conscious of and fighting against racism since I was 11. I'm 20 now. A lot of white people are just now joining this and trying to lead it. And it's like, no, you just got here. This conversation has been going on for decades. You don't get to barge in here and be the keynote speaker. You sit and listen for a while. But also, I think not being afraid to be openly an ally just because their friends slash family disagree. If we want lasting change, it needs to start with confronting the racists in their life. If every black person I know had experienced racism, then I know every white person I know has a racist in their life. They're not listening to us black people. We need y'all to have this hard conversation with your folks. Kendra, I think the point you made about what you want more than anything is for allies to listen. And I also really, really like um, how and appreciate you calling out Um, All of us, myself included, who, you know, are just kind of beginning to, you know, go and protest these things this week and that it even had to take so, so, so long, so many black lives taken away, murdered, not only by police, um, especially by police, but for this uproar and this revolution to begin. And I really should just shut up now because what you said is... I think it's important to sit and listen for a while. You guys can't just barge up in here. And obviously, I know that you appreciate the support of allies, but just kind of like what you're saying, you don't get to barge in here and be the keynote speaker. And I think that is so true. Um, And I'm really glad that I was able to share how you feel and share your voice with my listeners. So thank you very, very much. Now let's hear from Bree. Honestly, one of the worst feelings as a black American is feeling like you need to diffuse a situation before it arises. You try to make yourself look like you're not a threat, even though you never were one to begin with. It also just hurts that something I can't change and something I didn't choose can cause people so much anger and hate when I don't possess feelings like that in my body on a grand scale. I think the one thing I want my non-black allies to know is that them being open to listening before throwing their opinions or judgments and experiences out there first is key. You really have to listen to really walk through my shoes. Once again, Brie, just reiterating how important it is sometimes to just listen. I think that that's something that I could definitely improve upon and learn. Um, 
as humans, I do think that a lot of times ego and wanting to bring everything back to yourself and your own opinions and your own feelings and, oh, I don't like what you're saying because you're saying that I could be racist or just because I'm white, my life doesn't matter as much. Whatever the fuck is the thought process, I don't know. It could be so many things. Um, We have to, myself included, we have to stop getting offended and taking everything personally that is not about us and wasn't about us to begin with. And sometimes, actually all the time, We need to remember the importance of listening and not letting our ego and everything be about ourselves because everything is not about us. And this fight is not about me as a white person. However, me as a white person that really, really, really deeply cares, I can show my support in certain ways, but I do need to remember first to listen to the experiences of those who actually have been living these experiences for their whole life. This message is from Michaela, and she says, something I've been thinking about over the past few days. Black beauty, black academia, or black excellence of any kind does not have to look a certain way. If you're non-black, work on dismantling your ideas about what black or blackness is supposed to be and refrain from placing expectations on others to fit neatly into categories that have been created for you and against us. This is exactly how oppression works. By fooling us into believing that you can generalize rather than celebrate the complexity of the black identity. So when you say black lives matter, make sure that your statement stretches far enough to protect all the different ways black looks like, feels like, sounds like. Not just black celebrities or your black friends, but black in every corner of the earth, black in every shade, shape, size, ability, sexuality, etc. It's so important to learn and unlearn now more than ever. This is a message I'd love for you to share on your podcast. I've been watching your videos for years, and it's great to see how you're using your platform to raise the voices of the black community. Well, of course, Michaela, I don't need any praise on making this episode. I don't need it. That's for you guys listening to. I don't need anyone to praise me for making this episode. Uh, My biggest hope is that, um, like has already been reiterated so much, that those listening will just listen. And my second most biggest takeaway from this would be ask yourself why. Like I've already also reiterated, I believe. Um, And then lastly, it would be taking an action. One major thing that you're going to do differently after you turn off this podcast episode, everything you said was worded beautifully, Michaela, and it was so impactful. And I really like how you kind of switched it up a little bit and set and challenged us to dismantle our own ideas about what black or blackness is supposed to be. Let's hear our last voice message that was submitted from Ashley. Hi, Lindsay. Um, I would describe being black in present day right now as just kind of feeling misunderstood um, and feeling like you kind of have to prove yourself to people before they even really know you. Um, And I've grown up biracial, so I'm half black and half white. And a lot of the times it just feels like 
you don't necessarily fit in anywhere and you're usually misunderstood and I've kind of grown up to learn how to navigate it um but I think that going forward people that are non-black can help by just saying something in situations where something like subtly racist is being said or something that like for me a lot of the times when I was younger something would be said and it would kind of take me like a day or even later in the day to process that it really yeah but I've heard so many times somebody says like don't take this the wrong way but and then say something subtly racist um and I promise you that if any of your black friends like say that it doesn't bother them it does and they just don't want to say it Um, so being responsible for that and making people uncomfortable, because I think the more people that know that somebody's going to call them out or make them feel uncomfortable or judge them if they say something racist will help kind of change things because right now it feels like it's okay to sound racist, which is not okay. Okay, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing that. And one point that really really stuck with me is the example you use that I'm sure you've heard all the time of, I don't mean this the wrong way. Don't take this. Don't you take what I'm going to say that's subtly racist the wrong way, aka as subtly racist, but blah, blah, blah. And I like how you said, you know what, even if your black friends um, haven't expressed this, it doesn't mean that they aren't bothered by it. Uh, and I think this is, this is one of the biggest problems is like people think that you can just say this stuff and you can phrase it at the beginning with, oh, please don't take this the wrong way. But it's just like, if you even have to start a sentence with that, don't fucking say it. Okay. Don't think it in the first place. But if you're going to fucking think it, question things about yourself, ask yourself why, ask yourself why you have these stereotypes already in your brain. Um, So thank you very, very much, Ashley, for submitting your voice message. All right, I have a few more messages. I really, really did not want to leave any voice unheard for people that messaged me um, and wanted to contribute to this episode. So we do have... So I do have a couple more that I would like to read. This one is from Brandy. I live in Philadelphia and one day went to mom's organic supermarket. I went to buy kombucha. I was in line waiting to be rung up. It was two cashiers, one black and one white. When a white man walked up behind me and said, hello, I smiled and replied, how are you? The black cashier was still ringing up and the white cashier was done. The white cashier walked up to the white man behind me and said, I'll take you, sir. The white customer looked at me and said, but she's clearly ahead of me. And my face sunk with a frown and the customer was clearly mad yet confused. I never felt so belittled. Here I was excited to shop at a nice market. Bad enough we don't have access to groceries like the dominant white people's area have. This was my second racial encounter with this store and I was so mad and heartbroken, but I was happy the white customer stood up for me the best way he knew how. Why wasn't I worthy to be served when I was next in line? The black cashier was nowhere near done with their customer. I can only imagine how the black employees were treated. Probably had their own separate break rooms. It's sad. Thank you, Lindsay, from the bottom of my heart for caring about me and my race of people. To be targeted for something we legit have no control of, choosing the color of our skin. Thank you for seeing us. Um, 
it goes into just how long she's watched me and kind things like that, which thank you so much. Um, and I will read the rest of the message uh, to myself um, because I wanted to hear your perspective. And um, once again, I it's so important to actually hear these experiences from people who have them day in and day out. And something like that is just, it just goes to show like you are blatantly ignored even though you were in front of this man I am very happy that I mean that he said something and noticed I guess I don't know how this situation resolved itself if you were taken before him or maybe you stormed out um didn't want to give the store of course your business however I mean yeah this just goes to show you like the racism that just exists just so predominantly um And how can you even, as someone that works in a store serving all types of customers, how can you even do something like that? I mean, I hope that this person is held accountable for their action. Okay, let's hear it from Ari. And she says, imagine waking up invisible. No one sees you, no one hears you, and you don't matter. Imagine having to be hyper-vigilant of your every move as to not be seen as suspicious or aggressive when in predominantly white spaces. Even now, as I am less than a year away from attaining my medical degree, I am terrified of how I will be treated compared to my white counterparts. I could go on and on, but this is my description of being black in America. The most important thing non-black people can do is to educate themselves. Do Google searches of our history that go beyond the very abbreviated versions talked about in schools. Speak up for us when we are and aren't around. Be an advocate for diversity in all aspects of your life. I love that. And um, it's so true. Speak up for black people when they are around and when they aren't around. So something that I've been thinking about lately is... Um, having these conversations, you know, with other white friends and in a group of all white people, um, it is not, that is not the time to avoid these conversations because, oh, you know, we can't speak on that experience because we are white, whatever the fuck it is, speak up when they speak up when we are and aren't around. I love that you said that. Okay, guys, I'm going to end it off with this last one. This is the last one that I received before I recorded the episode. So if anybody else submitted, um, I will still respond to you and thank you for sharing, but I just couldn't get to it in time to record the episode. Um, So let's leave it off with what Drew said. As a black woman in America, my experience growing up consisted of me being in the backseat of the car when my successful black father was pulled over by a white cop for having a BMW that they accused him of stealing. He's in the military and a successful business owner. When I first got my license, my parents gave me a whole how to protect yourself in case you get pulled over talk. Each day, I wake up and exist carefully, trying not to catch the attention of my white counterparts, yet trying to exist proudly in all of my black beauty. My blackness is everything to me, but my blackness intimidates, bothers, and disturbs those who believe that I am inferior. On a daily basis, non-black people treat my blackness as their inconvenience. 
So my experience as a black woman in America is one that used to exemplify silence and servitude. It now exemplifies pride, joy, individualism, and beauty. That's a really positive way to leave it off. This message, seriously reading this, like I actually multiple of these that I read out loud, I got goosebumps. I got chills. This was one of them. And just like putting it into perspective because I never have to have a, my parents never had to have a conversation with me about what to do. I mean, obviously, yeah, if you get pulled over, have your license or registration, but no, not the conversation of how do, what do you do if you are black and you get pulled over by a cop? What is the right thing to do? What, what do you need to be prepared for? So I have, I never have to have that conversation because I am looked at differently because I am not black. I love how you ended it off with that. Your blackness exemplifies pride, joy, individualism, and beauty. And I think that is a really great positive note to leave off this episode. I hope that some of you or most of you made it until the end of this episode because I would really love for all of the voices that I heard from to be heard on this platform. Once again, I do not need any praise for doing this episode. I don't need anybody to tell me, oh wow, that was such a nice thing that you did, Lindsay, whatever the hell, any praise. I don't need that. What I want from you guys who have made it until the end and are still listening is to read the episode show notes where I will be linking to petitions as well as organizations to support. And even if you cannot donate, just to bookmark them on your computer, read about them, be aware of what they do and that they exist. And maybe if you can donate at a later time down the road, then you can donate them, but don't forget about them. So like I said, even if you can't make a donation or you have already donated to several things, I totally understand that. Um, just even, uh, making, taking a screenshot of these links and making sure that, you know, and there are so many others, but these are just some that I have found based off of other people sending them to me. So like I said, there will be, um, some petitions as well as organizations to donate to. Like I said, the ad revenue from this episode is going to the anti-police terror project, and I will actually link their website below so you guys can read about them. And if you want to make a personal contribution, you can do that as well. So make sure you go check that out. There's going to be GoFundMe links. There's going to be organizations and um, bailout funds that you can donate to. So that is something, like I said, if you can't donate right now, maybe you can donate when your paycheck comes in. Maybe you can donate in a month. Maybe you can donate in three months, six months. This stuff doesn't just need to be donated to this week. Okay, you guys, these are organizations that I personally promise to continue to be supporting from here on out. I'm just going to leave it there because I've been talking a lot and I think that this episode hopefully has made its point. So um, thank you guys so very much if you made it until the end of this episode and if you li- if you just listened. So I'm reminding myself <laughs> to do more listening. I don't know, like I said, when there will be a new episode, but whenever that is, you guys will hear from me then. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you and until next time. Bye, you guys.